Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Unnamed and Untamed. We have a special guest today, Austin Stout, and we're going to be talking about brain health and really making some brain gains today on this episode. So I can, I can help everyone. We'll just sum it up as, like I said in my last class, don't be a nutcase. You're good. It's over. End episode. <laughs> and great. If you want to reach out for coaching, link in bio. <laughs> I, I charge I charge good money for that advice. Yeah. <laughs> You're That's welcome, guys. Awesome. It really yeah. is. I mean, a chill pill is what most people need. I think, too, like, is that that we just live in a society that's everything's go instant and that we just put these false senses of like expectations on ourselves as well, that we should, everything should be fast. Our recovery should be easy. Our weight loss should be quick. Our, our relationship should be flawless. Like it's just, this like Instagram, like highlight real life that we like get caught up in. And so I think that, that, that sense of like expectation that we put on ourselves also adds to that, you know? Yeah. Our body did not, the technology advanced, our body still heals just as slow as it did forever ago, yeah. you know? So yeah. what was it that we said the other day? Oh, you're like, um, it's like watching paint dry, but I'm here for it. Yeah. In relations to my healing. Yeah. I'm like, it's a fucking slow process, you know, oh. but we thought we'd kick off, uh, you know, this episode. The, here's the thing is we, all of this shit is tied into each other. Like it's like this fucking circle, right? Hormones, health, gut, and brain health is one of those things that we think gets missed a lot. There's so much correlation between gut health and inflammation in general and brain health. And I think it's one of the things that is actually being researched a lot more now than ever is the correlation between things like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and things like MS and gut health and leaky brain and how we can almost like slow this down or prevent this from happening altogether if we work on X, Y, and Z. And so we thought we'd bring on Austin to kind of kick it off and talk to us a little bit about, you know, all things brain, the glymphatic system, how the brain works, leaky brain, and how to prevent these issues down the line like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. Sweet. Okay. So that was like a lot. So first off, uh, first off, I think there's some good correlations that we can make and that the brain does some things independently on its own, but also it does some things in communication with the gut. And those are kind of the, those are the two main systems that are going to kind of work together. And of course the brain and nervous system are sensing everything we touch, feel, whatever, all that. Right. So um, you mentioned some, you mentioned some like degenerative diseases, you know, things like Alzheimer's, dementia, neurodegenerative stuff. So, um, there is some pretty cool research. I don't know if it's in the U S probably not. Cause we don't seem to like to do these things for whatever reason. And, and regarding this brain aging, right. Like kind of what happens to your brain? Like, why does it age? Why might it uh, not function the same as you get older. Okay. <clears throat> a lot of things don't function the same when you get older. Right. But the like brain, <laughs> yeah, well, specifically. Yeah, Austin, awesome. tell us. <laughs> you guys, you guys are gross. That's not <laughs> it. Okay. I don't I, know what you're talking about. This is a PC What do you mean? Show. I, I would never. Don't make it weird. Yeah. He sips his water. Anywho. <laughs> The, um, the brain's susceptible to damage in quite a few different ways. 
through what you mentioned, leaky brain. So the brain, the brain has this blood brain barrier barrier that has a permeability to it, kind of like the gut lining does. Um, so things can leak into the brain, right? And they, we can get this like brain inflammation. And you would notice this in people that have like pretty much people that have leaky gut chronically probably have some degree of leaky brain at some point half the world (laughs) yeah oh yeah for sure i mean it's safe to say that most people that have like your your general person that eats a highly inflammatory diet you know a lot of processed food a lot of omega-6 fatty acids like all these things that are causing this inflammation, they have this systemic inflammation, they probably have at least some degree of brain inflammation. You know, how much it's, I mean, I'm sure it's going to vary widely depending on their lifestyle, but it's safe to say that probably a lot of people do. Um, And we, I mean, we see it in our population as well. It's just that we are obviously the one, the one advantage that we have is that, yes, we have these SIBO and we have all these cases, but at least most of the people are eating somewhat decent foods. Maybe it's not the right foods for them at the time, but it's better than they're not eating fast food every day. So, you know, they, there are some upsides, I suppose, but leaky brain, certainly, uh, certainly an issue. Also as the gut degrades over time, you know, any type of gut issue that again becomes systemic or disrupts vagus nerve, which is going to talk back and forth is going to cause autonomic nervous system disruptions in the gut, right? Because the brain's not functioning correctly. Um, and then what, what do we also see mood issues, right? So neurotransmitter imbalances that start to happen, right? Because these things are happening between again, communication in the gut and the brain. We know that some neurotransmitters like serotonin, for example, is most of that is coming from the gut, but we have other neurotransmitters, you know, that are going to be, um, tied into the brain as well, like dopamine, um, acetylcholine, things like that, that maybe are even involved in your weight training, like muscle contractions and things of that nature. So um, there's a lot of things between those two systems that can go wrong. And over time, if you aren't really aware of what you're looking at, again, take this, take this gen pop person or even competitor, maybe that just doesn't have this knowledge of gut health and they have this maybe low to moderate grade SIBO or, or leaky gut or something over the years, they could potentially be setting themselves up for, um, you know, some neurodegenerative effects over time. Cause we have, we actually get literal plaque buildup in the brain, right? So the brain has these little proteins in there and then we'll start <clears throat> and it's susceptible to like oxidation and oxidative damage and all these things that the, the blood vessels are susceptible to you literally get buildup of plaque in the brain, right? So that causes more inflammation and then over time, things just don't function correctly, right? So we end up Alzheimer's, dementia, those would be, those would be kind of like aging related, you know, more aging related processes. Whereas you look at earlier onset stuff like autism or, you know, people that have developmental disabilities, that's something that they are, usually seeing early in their life or sometimes even at birth, you know, sometimes like autism, it takes them a little while to kind of figure it out because they're, they're young and they're, they don't maybe see it right away. Uh, but there's some pretty cool research that connect the brain and the gut there. Um, I talked about this a long time ago. I'd like to look into it again at some point, but using 
you know, using like fecal transplants and things for people that were, you know, and actually drastically improving these, these neuro side effects that these, you know, autistic children are having from literally giving them good poop instead of the bad poop that they have currently. There's this crazy study too that they did and they did it in animals. Obviously they're not going to test this in human beings, but they had like, um, I think it was like five or six different animals or two different types of animals, six animals, and they were aggressive animals that couldn't be around other animals. And they actually disconnected the vagus nerve, like cut the vagus nerve. And they were able to bring these animals back in to the environment they were in previously with no aggressive behavior, which goes to show how massive the impact can be between the communication between like the gut and the brain. So maybe we should talk. Yeah. Maybe we should go into kind of like increasing the vagal tone and like things like that, because I feel like that's something we do a lot with clients that, I mean, they don't even know that that's what we're doing, but you know, exercises, stuff like that. What are you, yeah. What are you doing Austin? Like to help stimulate that or like regenerate communication between those when there's a disconnect or just work on that side of things with clients. It's, it's really just about that, that balance between sympathetic parasympathetic tone. Right. So we, we don't necessarily need to think that being sympathetically driven towards certain things is bad because it's not like we need it. Well, anyone that's had adrenal insufficiency that can't, get into a sympathetic state to do anything knows that that's also sucks, right? That's not, that's not where you want to be. So again, it's really about knowing when should I be in the state? When should I not be in the state and using your resources? I, I, I think of this, I call it, it's like a bank account, you know, and I use this bank account example for a lot of things because it, it makes sense is that, you can't constantly make withdrawals and not make any deposits, right? Your deposits are going to be your parasympathetically driven activities, right? So what, like, what things can you do? Anything that calms you down, excluding training. That's not one of them because that is sympathetically driven, even if it relieves stress, right? So anything that calms you down, like I know people are going to have their preferences in terms of yoga, reading a book, you know, doing anything. If, but if it's not of interest to you, don't sit there and force yourself to do it. Right. Yeah. So um, I personally don't find certain things relaxing that other people might find relaxing. Right. What's relaxing to me might be um, like watching a comedy, something that's very mindless, right? It doesn't take any type of critical thought. It's just, it's very easy to do. It's makes me laugh. It's, it's great. My cortisol is dropping with every minute that it goes on. Right. So that to me is an activity that I might, you know, that I might find relaxing. Whereas other people, um, we might need to work on, we might need to work on other exercises where they're actually disconnecting more. We're going into a state of like meditation or we're using, you know, yoga, like a, like a less intense yoga or something like that. Whereas they're actually putting their phone down they're separating themselves or going into, you know, a different environment and they're slowing down heart rate, slowing down breathing, et cetera, et cetera. But some people might not be able to even achieve that. They might go and, excuse me, sit there and try to do that. And that stresses them out, right? So because they're sitting there 
they're sitting there stewing on whatever's going on. So you have to, you have to kind of play around with it as an individual. And you guys might have suggestions that like things that you like or exercises that you might suggest to clients. Um, one other one I can mention would be soft belly breathing, really easy. It's the reason I like it is because it's so quick yeah. and easy to do. Um, it's one of those things where as you become more aware of how you feel, you can do a quick, you know, 10 breaths and then you're back, you know, you're back into that state. I had went through this little stint where I was reading about like, uh, monks and how they were and how they were, uh, using a lot of these exercises and activities. And so I started trying soft belly breathing when you get good at it, it's pretty interesting because you can actually feel like warming sensations in some of your limbs and things where it's that, that vagus nerve activity. So it's pretty, uh, pretty cool stuff. Yeah. I like to use like gargling too, like aggressive gargling can also do it or like tongue, tongue, like almost like gagging could be a little bit more like aggressive. Like it kind of just depends on like the client, but those are <laughs> gagging. I can't fucking take you guys anywhere. No <laughs> gagging. <laughs> We're like tongue scraping. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's my face. This is why I don't do loom videos. <laughs> yeah, I like. I mean, something I do for myself, and I'll have clients do, is like literally set an alarm on your phone to remember to breathe. Like, okay, I do one minute. Just give me one freaking minute of of breathing, and like. I say that to myself too, of like that, you know, put your hand on your chest, put one hand on your belly. Um, box breathing is another one that I'll have people do. Even before meals, I'll have clients like just stop and just like rub their tummy a couple of times. They can just like maybe like calm their body down, take a couple of deep breaths. It's sometimes we don't even notice it. I go through it a lot, like in the morning when I'm trying to get my kid ready. And I was like, I don't feel like I've taken a breath in like <laughs> three minutes. You know, I'm just like, all over the place and I have to stop and like remind myself I think it's easy to get in those patterns yeah, yeah. or I typing wanna, slamming the keyboard ask, um, yeah I wanted to ask Austin so you know, we kind of established when it comes to like most people when it comes to general population or anyone typically can you know struggle with having leaky gut and that goes to the brain so with that, on top of that, when it comes to medications that people might be on or their physicians might put them on as opposed to going towards lifestyle factors and really, really digging into the root causes, can you kind of talk about how certain things, for example, I have a couple for you. So one cholesterol, so anti-cholesterol medication, how that will potentially affect the brain, understanding that cholesterol role. And then Two, when it comes to high insulin, so like hyperinsulinemia, so thinking like diabetics um, and how that can play a role. And then three would be birth control. And then four, um, PEDS. Okay. Yeah, sure. So these um, cholesterol medication, mainly, you know, statins is what you're referring to, I assume. So statins are pretty well documented to be, to have some neurodegenerative effects relatively common like it's it's going to obviously depend on how long they use them what the dose is and everything how total exposure over time right so um statins are like i said well documented to cause um decline in you know neural function but also blood sugar issues which again it's to me when i think about it i almost wonder if i almost wonder if the issues are stemming from 
an insulin resistance issue or if right. stemming from like the actual statin doing something else to your brain because lowering cholesterol. Because I've seen instances where uh, extremely low cholesterol levels, because we know that cholesterol is needed for brain function, also formation of cells and different things. But I've also seen people, there was an actual doctor that was on uh, a YouTube video and I've watched and he's talking about his cholesterol being super low. I'm trying to think of what the total even was. Like it was really, really low. We're talking like 20 or 30. Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> okay. super low. But he had no, but he said he had no uh, cognitive side effects wow. at all, which, which to me, I think, I, I almost wonder, is that an acute thing or would he have side effects later? Like had he continued right, to right. do that? So I, I wonder if statins, if the statin issues really stem more from like the insulin resistance side of things. And I assume that a lot of the issues probably do stem more from that just because that we know, we know most general population that already has cholesterol issues probably has metabolic syndrome as a whole anyhow. Yeah. Right. So we know that they're susceptible to diabetes if they don't already have diabetes in the first place. Right. So also with brain plaque, insulin resistance, hyperinsulinemia is a big driver of that. Okay. So that's where we're seeing a lot of those, those effects kind of trickle down. So when we're looking at cholesterol medications and I actually did a video on cholesterol that I just posted this morning or yesterday or something. So you guys can check that out. You, yeah, you can find you uh, Austin's YouTube at his next, uh, next on my, my link tree. Yeah. Just go to my tree. Link. Yeah. It's all in there. <laughs> but anywho, with that cholesterol in general is kind of a funky one because we're still really outdated on the way that we kind of view cholesterol. Like this idea of just look at total cholesterol. If it's high, lower it. If it's yeah. not high, leave it alone. Whereas you could still have normal cholesterol and have all kinds of plaque buildup going on or vice versa, have high cholesterol and no, no plaque buildup. So, um, yeah, statins really don't have a lot of uh, application other than statins do lower CRP really, really well. So I have seen an argument where someone that's maybe already had a cardiac event that's a little bit older might use a statin because realistically their exposure is probably not going to be that long because they're already older. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, but a younger person, especially like maybe someone that has a cardiac event, like their thirties or forties or something, I think it's just a really bad yeah, uh, way to go. So consult your physician. There's a new class of a new class of cholesterol drugs that are really intriguing. Won't go into all that, but they're, let me look what it's called. I have never seen anyone prescribe them yet, but I might eventually. I told a client about them. If anyone's interested in checking it out, they are, I have all the info on my computer, but they're PS, PCSK9 inhibitors, which essentially are a cholesterol lowering drug that seems to not have most of the side effects that statins have. Um. So. Kind of oh, cool. Check that out. We're making major um, strides, major yeah. strides. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. And it's like I'm not anti I mean, I'm not like anti-medication. I mean, there's applications for yeah. meds for sure. And yeah. certain people. Uh you mentioned what was the second one? I know you mentioned birth control, but what was the other one? 
Yeah, I talked about insulin. So like hy- insulin. you actually went like into that, the hyperinsulinemia. Yeah. yeah. Well, in insulin, the thing about sugar, the thing about like high circulating sugars or insulin resistance in general is it just damages it just damages tissues all over the body. Okay. Now being known as like diabetes type three, and that's the correlation between Alzheimer's and, you know, insulin resistance. Yeah. And Even, seeing that dementia, everything, it's just crazy that like, that's what yeah. they're calling it now. Type type three diabetes. That's right. And these, because literally what's happening is these, this like high excess circulation of sugars is literally damaging tissues all over the place. We see it in nervous system function. Like why do people, why do people lose limbs and things yeah. from, you right. know, from diabetes? Um, eyesight. Yeah. It's we all see weird. that. Yeah. Um, also brain, like I said, brain plaque is very closely correlated with that, like high circulating sugar over time. Uh, also vessels, any vessels that are susceptible to plaque buildup that these sugars literally kind of like go through and scrape and like damage these vessels. So, so um, cholesterol will stick to them more easily. So this, there's a lot that it does. And I really truly think that that is probably the biggest driver of this, of cardiovascular events and brain aging related diseases rather than actual like cholesterol itself or anything else. Yeah. I I think we've talked, I, like I was reading and what makes sense and it makes sense to me is that typically cholesterol, which, you know, it shows up almost as a immune response, like a last ditch effort to save your ass. Um, because when they were looking at the plaques, it was almost like layered, like white blood cells were in there. And then like, so it's not that cholesterol is there. It's what damaged it in the first place. And that's going to be that inflammation. And again, like you were saying, you know, even like the, you know, the insulin, and so that's why I do think it's important to, you know, check all those markers as well. Not just your fasted, you know, <laughs> blood glucose. Yeah. Check, check your insulin, your fasting insulin. That's the easiest way. If you're going in to get fasted labs, check that. And then also a lot of people don't, don't say much about A1C, but I think it's still a decent marker too, because yeah. A1C showing you would potentially factor in like peaks and valleys and things that you might be having. Right. Cause it's showing you an average. So Yeah. Those things, it's kind of like, it would kind of like be checking your iron without your ferritin, (laughs) you know, so make sure that you look at both. Uh, So we covered that. You mentioned birth control. I feel like there was one other one. Uh, PEDS. So like, and I'm just thinking, I guess I want you to kind of go into for those when it comes to actually changing brain chemistry. So how they're affecting like dopamine and things like that. So when clients or when people should be coming off of things, you know, why they are experienced such mood fluctuations and what that actually can be doing to the brain long-term for those people that aren't coming off things and running PCTs and here again with birth control as well. Yeah. So birth control is kind of multifactorial. One is where if we alter, if we alter this hormone profile, we know that that's immediately going to alter mood and and cognitive function right off the bat. So like, what do we know birth controls? Well, it's, you're not ovulating. So of course we have a disruption in the amount of like estrogen, progesterone and stuff that we have in the body. Cause that's kind of the point of yeah. the birth control. Right. But we know that that not only for certain functions, but just your overall mood is going to be impactful. But what else does birth control do? Birth control 
also notoriously causes SIBO and motility and gut issues over time. So we're seeing, we're seeing birth control as like, not only like acute issues, you'll see it. You put someone on birth control, their mood immediately changes. Yeah. I have a lot of clients come in like, and again, we never are saying come off your birth control, but I do have a lot of clients who come in who've been on birth control for years and they're having either some sort of gut issue and, or there is either depression or I'm actually seeing a lot of anxiety. Anxiety is like huge. I see that. Yeah, Anxiety, depression. And again, it's kind of like chicken or the egg thing is, are we seeing, are we seeing this, this effect just from the hormonal change of birth control? Or are we seeing this effect because it's altering like the gut brain access and neurotransmitter function. Now I'm sure it's probably a combination of both. Yeah. Right. And, and again, we know nobody takes birth control for a month or two months. Yeah. Everyone takes birth control for years, decades, maybe in some cases. Um, I mean, yeah, 25, you know, I've seen like 25 is probably about the longest you're going to see because beyond that, they're, they're probably getting close to menopause anyhow. But yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely something that's a big issue. And I could probably add, probably add one other one into that too. That's not, it's not obviously the same hormonally, but it has, um, it's prescribed similarly would be, um, antibiotics as well. And people, yeah. you know, younger teens and stuff with acne. So okay, birth control generally is prescribed for one of two reasons for a teenager, maybe three it might be contraceptive, you know, it might actually be taken for birth control, but, and I don't know the stats on this. I would be curious to know how, what the percentage is of people that are prescribed birth control, not for birth control, (laughs) like acne, irregular periods, all these things that they should be investigating through other means. Right. Yeah. Um, antibiotics, same thing. They are often prescribing antibiotics, not for irregular periods, obviously, but for acne, that's a common one. And again, these, these people, guys and girls, men and women getting prescribed these for a year, two years. I had a guy on uh, antibiotics for four years. Oh my recently God. That I just talked to um, and on, for what? on like, uh, well, it was acne, right? They just kept upping oh and he was, he ended up on like, you know, like doxycycline and stuff like antibiotics that wow. are pretty potent right so right there we're running into all those you know destroying our entire our entire gut microbiome ending up with leaky brain ending up with systemic inflammation boom 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 on down the line so that was another med that we could lump into that um teenagers young adults they get acne because they're going through hormonal changes they are a lot of the time they eat shitty diets. I was like, their too. diet shit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> don't watch your face. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've even had, I've even had, you know, moms or dads that are clients. And they're like, hey, my son or my daughter, they're getting this acne. I'm like, hey, here's some basic tips. Try this stuff first. And boom, they get like 50 yeah. to 75% relief <laughs> just from not eating, you know, fast food and school lunches three times a day. Yeah. Yeah. So um, PEDs. Okay. So PEDs do a couple things. PEDs will, depending on, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of narrow that down. Anabolics, so like anabolic, androgenic, so hormones. I'm not talking about um, non, 
hormonal PEDs like clenbuterol or, you know, something like that. Actual anabolics. Right. So they will, they will affect adrenals. They can, um, with the adrenal access, a lot of them actually will somewhat lower adrenal output, um, can, can actually lower cortisol, which actually sounds really great on paper in some cases, but of course, over time, maybe not so much, um, certain, certain anabolics are more notoriously known for affecting like serotonin levels, especially you'll see that with 19 nor drugs, which would be like nandrolone and trembolone seem to kind of do that more. I think there was in what way, um, mainly, mainly actually impacting the brain and and serotonin how yeah. the brains re- like receive how the body's basically like receiving the serotonin. So okay. I think it was the research was showing nandrolone more so was potentially even causing some long-term changes in this like serotonin expression. So almost like, let's say you used it and it had this effect and then you came off, but it continued to have that effect. Wow. Okay. Which you know, that downs the, obviously the hard part about this is there's just not that much research on that type of thing. And there's really no ethical way to like give someone <laughs> super physiological doses of steroids for a long time. I don't them. know. There might be some volunteers out there. Uh, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, let's there, not lie. I'm sure you have plenty of labs in like, Oh you know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, labs. I, mean, I know it wouldn't be published, but it's definitely data. Data is data. Yeah. Not like you're, you know? Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's certainly there. And, and then obviously coming off peaks and valleys, like your hormones moving up and down can potentially cause, um, depression, anxiety, you know, things along those lines. And a lot of that against, cause we just don't have stability. Everyone would probably like that feeling of feeling very heightened all the time but that's not, that's not very, uh, you know, very sustainable raise le- you know, raising levels of dopamine potentially with some of these, with some of these drugs as well. So yeah. again, it's giving like, where does this like false sense of motivation or in a male, that's like the idea of like this false sense of masculinity and, you know, drive and everything come from, but it's, a, but it's the same in females as well. Like females get that effect too. It's just not, maybe talked about as much, um, females tend to notice it a little bit more in terms of libido and, and that kind of drive. Right. But, um, there's man, and there's so many, there's layers to this too. So the other layer would be not setting things up correctly within using these drugs. Whereas like now you have an imbalance in androgens and estrogens. So you are creating some kind of environment that's uh, potentially causing more harm that you don't, maybe if you had set it up differently, it wouldn't be doing that. So for example, overuse of aromatase inhibitors for males, especially that are using, you know, using PEDs, even on the TRT level. Now we have, and you guys, you've seen this all the time. We're having these, all these HRT labs pop up, which is great. If they, if they could maybe do a little bit better job <laughs> in some right. cases. Uh, but what are we seeing? We're seeing males prescribe, you know, TRT doses, or sometimes it's, it's a little bit above for some of these clinics. 
but they're prescribing aromatase inhibitors and things. And we're, we're crashing these, these males estrogen. Why wouldn't a male have side effects from crass estrogen? Just like a female. I mean, they do. Right. So there's, there's just like a whole lot of layers that could potentially go wrong over time. And then ultimately we may end up with situations where they are crashed indefinitely. We need, you know, hormone replacement and things like that. And people have just a really difficult time getting back to um, homeostasis. I'll give you a case. I can give you a case study that I had mm-hmm. or just an example. So you kind of know how bad it can be. Had a client, friend, client, whatever. He's wasn't really so much at the time, but had been really, really long-term use of super physiological dosages, especially using things that we know alter mood and brain chemistry more like trembolone for we're talking like extended periods of times at really high doses. It took probably, Oh boy. It took probably a year and a half to two years to get back to what you would consider normal, I guess, in terms of brain chemistry. Trend also disrupts sleep patterns on such a high level as well. And it doesn't, the glymphatic system isn't happening. And yeah, it's, it's probably a lot of things. It's, I think they definitely, I think they definitely disrupt serotonin levels for sure. Yeah. So we end up with this imbalance of serotonin and dopamine, right? Cause we may be driving a dopamine, you know, we may have a dopamine drive and then a, a lowering and a more um, calming neurotransmitter and serotonin. So that's probably an issue. And also, also just this, um, the kind of like, I don't know what, what I want to call it kind of like the permanent, I'm not even going to maybe call it permanent, um, psychological effects of, Hey, I've experienced this mm-hmm. and now I don't get to experience it anymore right. type of thing. Yeah. So it's like, I would compare it to someone that was a drug addict potentially, and they've completely cleansed of the drug, right? It's been out of their system for a huge amount of time, but they remember how the drug felt, right? you know what I mean? So now they're stuck with this, this bar that's been set. How many, well, we could do that with body composition too. There's that one, right? Same thing, yeah. But we've had this bar that's been set so high in terms of how they should feel and how strong they should be in their aggression and all this stuff. And now they have to realize that they can't sustain that. So that's in the back of their mind and constantly causing this like false, um, neurological issue, which maybe they really don't have a neurological issue. They just have a, um, perception issue. So I can speak to that. Like, so I have a super heavy drug history and spent 15 years addicted to heroin and meth. So really just taxing my system on high levels. And it's like everyone in treatment or wherever, when you're like going into treatment or coming off, it's like, you're just fucking depressed and nothing feels the same thing, but it's not like it's, and they used to always say like, you don't necessarily like want to treat somebody when they're coming off of drugs for the first six months, because it's not necessarily that they're actually like depressed. Now they're clinically feeling those moments of like depression, but it's really just the body trying to rebalance out being used to your receptors, just being targeted and, and, and hit so hard and then not being hit like that versus like, like you said, it's like perception, perception versus reality. Yeah. Right. 
uh, Andrew Huberman just had a really good podcast about like modulating like dopamine levels and like kind of having that like pain pleasure kind of kind of cycle is like really important. It was like it was a good listen if anyone's interested. Cool. Yeah. I'm going to be doing at the next. I'm plugging again. Ooh. Deal with it. Plug it. Um, the next PEC is <sighs> going to be a neurotransmitter presentation so so kind of I'm, I'm gonna make it a little bit different though i'm gonna kind of gear it towards like uh client behaviors and like how that might because we don't really have a lot of and this could be this is related to this topic i suppose we don't really have like any really really good tests that will show us neurotransmitter levels we can see metabolites like the dutch test for example we got organic acids and it's an it's an okay way to test it kind of for us. It's like, yeah, we see that suppressed adrenal function. So we see low, low dopamine, right? We it's giving us more of like a reaffirming our thoughts, but to actually give us a really good depiction of what is going on in the brain, we would probably have to do like a brain biopsy or something. And it's just, yeah, you just can't do it because blood levels of neurotransmitters are not super accurate because they're going to move up and down all the time in excretion levels via urine all that's showing us is how much has been metabolized and it's coming out right that doesn't necessarily mean that's what's in there so i wanted to kind of gear it more towards how can we look at just client behaviors Mm -hmm. and what might that mean about their neurotransmitter profile how they're presenting yeah and well in three two probably right like just sure yeah yeah and it's common stuff. Like what, what's probably one of the more common things that we see seeking behaviors, right? Seeking, yeah. seeking, 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 because we're seeing all these people, especially in our population and our clients that are the functional health that are burnt out. Right. Yeah. So we're seeing all these damn seeking behaviors and we see it in prep too. Why do people go on shopping sprees in prep? Yeah. Like why I've seen people buy like fucking cars. No, and you, like you, shit. you know, we're talking, yeah. we're talking like, I'm not saying maybe they needed a car, but they probably, <laughs> they probably spent a lot more money on their car than they otherwise maybe would have spent on their car because they were vulnerable, you yeah. know, and they, and they had these low levels. So, um, and you see it and you see it in people that were ex addicts too, you know, um, seeking behaviors and that it could be anything. Like I have a friend, um, really nice guy and we've been working on this stuff too. And he's, um, but seeking stuff and it's dopamine, mostly dopamine seeking just because of the background, but it can be fulfilled with anything. Yeah. You just scratch off fucking buying copious amounts of scratch off lottery tickets and, you know, lots of nicotine and, you know, just lots of going to like the mall and just buying stuff that it doesn't need, you know, things like that. And it's not, it's not that any of those behaviors are necessarily going to, ruin his life or anything but it is it is telling you something about what's probably going on with his neuro you know his neurochemical profile Mm -hmm. right yeah so unfortunately a lot of those things take a lot of time to balance out like you can't you can't abuse drugs for years and think that your neurotransmitters are going to go back to normal in a month so where would like ADHD 
medication come into play here? Um, that's actually a question that uh, somebody asked me, uh, Paul O'Need, um, he asked me uh, as far as abuse when it comes to AG, ADHD medication um, when it comes to pharmacies. Okay, I can give you another another example on this. And, and a lot of this, again, is I don't know, there might be research on some of this stuff. It's just more of observational than anything is I've had a couple clients that were prescribed ADHD medication, which honestly is probably really over prescribed and yeah. children just based on kind of what I've seen. I don't have any kids, but I just based on what I've heard and seen from parents, but anywho, long history of it, a couple different meds. Most of them are like amphetamine type meds, right? <laughs> you know, Ritalin, um, yeah. you know, shit like that. But anywho, then ended so up coming off I think the they're meds. just overprescribed. Like I'm just going to pipe up here as a parent. It's ridiculous how sure. like, it's like, Hey, let's fill our kids up with sugar and then let's send them to school. And like, whatever. My daughter's dad doesn't listen to my podcast, but like the other day she came home in her like lunchbox and it's so like black or white when she's at my house and there's like fucking sunny D in there. And I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna like breathe for a minute, you know? And my daughter's already, she can get kind of like, she's, she's a fucking kid. You know what I mean? I was like, dude, she can't have a cake pop in sunny D for breakfast. Like, so it yeah. literally like the it says water and high fructose corn syrup. I'm like, and then what happens is these kids go to school and they can't fucking focus and they can't pay, pay attention and then they get labeled or they're not yeah. getting good sleep and then they get labeled. I was gonna say the sleep thing is huge. Prescribed that's huge. I mean, the school her school is like sending out numerous emails like, please make sure your kids are getting enough sleep. Like I have to wake my daughter up at six a.m. She goes to bed at like six fifty just to get yeah. enough sleep. It's like I think that we're like. And then people are so quick to be like, my kid has ADHD. Let me put him on Ritalin. Let me put him on Adderall. Not even knowing the long-term effects of their mental health down the line. Yeah. Cause that's what that, they do for themselves. When heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's no different than the birth control and acne scenario. Or in, yes. In, yeah. Um, antibiotic scenario. Sorry. Yeah. That's what I was going for. It's not any, it's the same. It's just not weighing pros and cons. Like, is there, is there ever a situation where, a stimulant ADHD med might be something to use. Yeah, maybe potentially. I could see the same thing with uh, antidepressants. So myself, when I had um, low tests and we were trying to recover it and, you know, trying different things to recover it, uh, before I was actually prescribed testosterone replacement, I was put on Wellbutrin, which is, a you know, more of a dopamine drug. And it was really just there to bridge the gap while I was trying to recover and then eventually wasn't able to. And then I came off of it once my, once the root of my depression was gone, which was that my testosterone was super low. Right. So could you use something like that? Potentially, but again, like you need a doctor that's actually going to be keen on that type of thing and, and take you off of it yeah. <laughs> at the appropriate time. Uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah, stimulant, stimulant medications and, but also antidepressants, same thing. I mean, it's just one, one might be bringing you up and one might be bringing you down or, or however, depending on if it's, you know, if it's a serotonin reuptake inhibitor or if it's like a, you know, an amphetamine or whatever it is. But again, are these things really have any long-term merit? Maybe, uh, 
but the argument's like, what's the end game with that? Do you just stay on it and then continue to change drugs and increase dose or what kind of like, what is the end game? And I think in some scenarios, there are people that have potentially abused their systems to the point of maybe they're not able to fully come back to normal. So that's a question they have to ask themselves. Would they be better off maybe taking one of these medications yeah. long-term? And the answer is that potentially, you know what I mean? Like there's probably cases or there could be cases where they genuinely have some kind of genetic disposition to a chemical imbalance. Like they don't produce enough of this or this. And yeah, but again, I just think maybe like the prescribing guidelines and information is just probably just total shit. And they just aren't. It's if you were a little more, if you're a little more critical thinking skills, like what is this person's history and what is their future look like? You might be able to figure out whether or not these meds are a good idea. But I think that's a funny um, thing for sure. Yeah. But stimulants, uh, stimulants are the big, the big one. And it's, Stimulants are the big one right now, even more so than ever. And it's all kinds of stimulants. It's everything. I mean, we're talking just, you know, kids in school getting prescribed Adderall clear up to like college kids getting Adderall from their buddy. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the trickle down, the trickle down of that, like you said, it's, it's great for a little while. You need less sleep right? You can get away with that. You can get away with less. And now you're sleeping less and not, yeah, yeah. it's going to, you know, eventually it catches up and they end up with, you know, they end up with a circadian rhythm issue and then they end up with other neurotransmitter issues and then they end up seeking more or maybe different stimulants. Um, and not only in the drug industry, but like the drink industry and supplement industry exploits this too. Why do we have like, why is there caffeine and everything? Like, why do why we is there 500 milligrams? <laughs> well, it's like, I see caffeinated everything. It'd be like caffeinated candy and caffeinated this and that. I'm like, why does there have to be caffeine in that? You know, yeah. so caffeine is not an energy source. <laughs> you know, it's like, it could be something that you potentially supplement on, you know, for certain occasions. And I think a little bit of caffeine use is probably fine and sustainable for most people but like i'm going to i have a little gas station by me and i'll go in there just to get leave the house like walk over and get something to drink and it's like these guys construction workers in there you know they're buying their can of dip and like three bangs for the day (laughs) i just wanted to i just want to walk up to and be like dude you really should not do that and your card if you keep doing it get back to me in about six months to a year and let me know how things are going. And the thing is too, is I, I was like, just kind of going over this yesterday with the client is it's so easy when you're young or you don't have these issues to be like, I've been doing it for 30 years, never had an issue. Look at me now. Like I'm fine. Obviously never been eating organic. No big deal. Been eating nitrates all my life. No big deal. But I have a client who has prostate cancer and he, called me and he was like, so I have actually known him and his wife for a while. And I actually work with him like in the past like year since he's been going through treatment. And he's like, I just wish like now he's taken the time to like really understand like how food and diet and sleep and stress play a major role just into the antioxidant system inside of your body and oxidative stress and nitrates and the chemicals in the environment. He's like, 
I wish I would have taken more time to be more mindful of this stuff because, you know, maybe I wouldn't have been in this position. And that's not saying that everyone who did would never and or didn't have those issues. Or if you were to completely eliminate that, there might be some genetic disposition, but all of these little things are like little tiny layers, little tiny layers. It's like missing sleep and the plaque isn't being flushed from your brain and this whole team, no sleep. You may be accomplishing a little bit more now, but what happens when you're 50 and you're not retired? Cause we live in America and you're not retiring at that age, unless you're like just balling out of control and your brain starts to go and you're not concentrating. You're not able to work as well. You're not retaining information. And then some new 30 year old kid comes in and like surpasses your job. It's kind of like looking long-term. I know it's like a very big hypothetical, but it's like looking long-term as to like what are the little fucks that really I can make changes with right now that are going to add up to the bigger fucks later? Like my fucking brain function, Alzheimer's, dementia, Parkinson's, these things that we're seeing that are neurological diseases that could be prevented if we had more data early on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one other one you mentioned that we should go over since we're kind of getting close to that hours. Um, you mentioned the lymphatic system a little bit, so we could maybe just at least touch on that some, which honestly, if you do all the things that you're supposed to do, you, you support your lymphatic system pretty well. Yeah. Uh, so lymphatic system, easiest way to think about it is kind of like a system of vessels that are carrying around this lymph. And then also you have like your spleen, for example, would be probably considered like a lymphatic organ. It's producing certain like um, I believe like macrophages and different, um, immune cells and stuff that, that serve these functions. So lymphatic disruption or poor lymphatic function would cause things like inability to clear inflammation, um, inability for your immune system to produce the, the cells and things that it needs. So basically if you had a sluggish or clogged or whatever word you want to use lymphatic system your immune system and inflammation would not be able to respond to an issue and then clear out like inflammation and the immune response are normal. We need it. You get injured, right? Mm -hmm. You're supposed to have inflammation. Like that's supposed to happen. But if you have a chronic injury, like your gut, for example, or your brain, that's like chronically inflamed and you have this lymphatic system that's perhaps not, not able to help. And lymphatic system in the brain, I'll touch on that in a second, but you would potentially have chronic, you know, inflammation over time. Okay. So lymphatic system in the brain, there's, I've seen some different, I've seen like some different literature on this and that a lot of the lymphatic vessels don't really make it to the brain all that well. So that might suggest that that system doesn't interact with the brain directly. However, we know that it does interact with every other part of the body, which do interact with the brain. So again, like it's all, it's all going to be connected, right? Um, what else on the lymphatic system? Uh, also related to white blood cell function, you know, all of the, all the white blood cells and all the things that we see on blood work with people. Um, what do we see? What, what might we look for? In our cases, we might see low white blood cells on lab work or certain, um, certain like 
portions of the white blood cells, like lymphocytes or something might be low or, you know, or basophils or something versus we might see a total count low, high count low, or, or even a high count. Have you guys seen that where you've seen like an extremely elevated count and an early stage functional issue? And then in someone that's chronically burnout, you're seeing like a really low count. So the common one I would see is high inflammation, low white blood cell count. What does that yeah. tell you? That's the one well, I that tells you that yeah. your lymphatic system is not doing this and it's not clearing this. Right. So that's kind of, that's kind of lymphatic system in a nutshell. I feel like that's pretty easy for people to support like too, like just on their own. Like yeah. lymphatic yeah. drainage, like eat good food, drink water, sweat. The whole glim, the glymphatic system as well, which is where the brain has the, like when we're sleeping. Right. And so like throughout the day, we have these little particles and toxins that go inside that, that are like, like he said, we talked about like sticky protein, sticky sheets. Right. And what happens is, you know, it's almost like a waste inside of the brain too. all of the neurotransmitters, all of the stuff that had any functions, right. It's almost think about it as like a bunch of cars inside of like um, like a, like a stadium, right. And the cars are going around in circles and they're revving. Well, the air in the stadium is going to be toxic. So at night when we sleep, the lymphatic system actually like comes in and it shoots cervical fluid up into the brain and almost like what, like a washing machine goes in and like washes it out. And then it comes back down and you can see this like on MRIs and brain scans. It's super fucking cool. And so it goes in there and it clears it out. And what they're finding is when we're not getting adequate sleep, And we're not getting like eight, nine hours of sleep, which I know that they say seven, but that's like bare fucking bones minimum, right? When we're not getting, yeah. Yeah. And we're not getting the right levels of deep sleep. That glymphatic clearage is not happening. And this again, this is just like, once those sticky proteins are are just like sticking places, the same thing with, with like plaque and artery walls, we start to have a slowdown in the brain's ability to communicate. It's almost like if you're talking to somebody through a doorway and then you close a door and then another door and then another door. And before you know it, you're talking through a concrete wall, the communication line is not there. And I think it just goes back to like the importance of sleep, which I know is a podcast we are going to touch on is that we're missing out on these systems that our body has that are amazing fucking systems. And they're used to prevent this, like things like again, like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, dementia, these things that happen in our brain long-term that we can kind of slow down and prevent. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really easy. It's really easy. Like if you don't remove dead cells, wastes and toxins, these dead cells, wastes and toxins are going to stay somewhere, right? They're going to build up somewhere, whether it's your brain or your blood vessels or your liver, yeah, you know, or wherever it is, it's, and it would be safe to say that probably a lot of these functional health clients that we run into have a lymphatic system that's not working very well, or, or maybe that it's not, there's too much for it to handle. You know what I mean? Like there's just, there's just too much for it to clear. Um, but yeah, I love the sleep advice. I mean, that's, what's one thing that's like, there's two things that you can do that will solve most of your problems. It's going to be sleep, good routine. A lot of sleep is just like prioritizing in a routine. Right. And then the second part would probably be just perception and stress, man, you know, stress perception and management. I mean, that's really, 
the food stuff, yeah, obviously you can't do those first two things and eat like complete shit. But I would probably rate those first two things as perhaps most important. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you, you think like if you get good sleep, you make better food choices too, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. Talk about Gremlin and yeah, I mean, like absolutely. And also insulin sensitivity. Right. Like it's, I love sleep. I presented it on peace at PEC. I just think it's like one of the biggest factors in so many things, but even with gut healing, you know, it's like, it plays such a major role in the body's ability to like repair itself. What was the part about shooting fluid at the cervix though? I missed that part. Or was that something else? (laughs) You said (laughs) cervical fluid. Oh, I, mean, I was like, fluid. oh, we mixed that up. Okay. <laughs> that oh is a God. hell of a shoot. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> we were all like, we're nuts are firing. <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold on. Hey, I thought there was final fluid. I thought there was no. Wait. It's I, all I fluid. It was like unfiltered. You guys came at me right at the beginning. So I'm like, all right. I don't blush very easily, dude. But like, yeah, your cervical fluid will take care of everything. That is like literally you a hell of a jet. Can you imagine? <laughs> hey, listen. You... I've really been perfecting my skills lately. <laughs> you guys, you guys came at me at the beginning about the whole erectile dysfunction thing. So like. Oh my God. I'm glad we clear that up because people are like, wait a minute. So how does cervical fluid, why does she always bring it back to this? Why is it always <laughs> going to be about WAP? <laughs> Holy fuck. I think you were thinking cerebral spinal fluid as well. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. And I said cervical. Flu- I, no, <laughs> I swear right. my mind's in the right it's place. A I, it's a I, Yeah. I did make it with 530 to get my kids. All these body fluids, whatever. That's Whatever, food is fluid. Love yeah. is love. <laughs> cool. Austin, why don't you tell our beautiful listeners where they can find you, give your plug, your spiel, all the amazing things you do. And for coaches too, for coaches listening, all the wonderful things you do for classes and mentorship, all that. Yeah, we didn't okay. actually intro uh, Austin. So like Austin oh, mentors wait, all three you. of us, just FYI. That everyone knows. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, Father Austin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So as far as like resources, Linktree and my Facebook and Instagram will have, will have the, you know, YouTube, email, Facebook page, all that stuff's all linked in there. Um, Austin Stout on Facebook. It's Austin ST8 on Instagram. And then anything that you need, I mainly like to communicate through email. Like, so if you need, you know, if you need information on mentorship services, classes, right now, I don't have any new classes. I'm potentially working on one, but I do have previous recordings that anyone can get if they need them. Dutch testing, cardiovascular health, GI, all that stuff. And beyond that, I just rely on Sonia, Meredith, and Sarah to say nice things. We just get them out regularly. Yeah, you know what? Austin's the (laughs) shit. Austin's the shit, yeah. I don't, I try not to have to market anything myself. I just let everyone else do it. Yeah, we're all big fans. 
thank you for having me I on. I have the triple threat. So you're my boss, man. You're my, uh, oh. I'm in the mentorship. Yeah. And I'm also your client. Uh-huh. Yeah, he really is. So it's like the alpha and the omega. Which, by go. the way, Sonia's, Sonia is doing very well. Her, her blood glucose is in the seventies now. Oh, her gut is, for today. Her gut is starting to, I think we're on to something. Yeah. I think we're on to something. My pubes, my pubes, my poops have been wonderful. My pubes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Just so everybody knows, uh, Austin asks for uh, pubic updates. No, they're my, curly, my poops. My poops are so curly. He doesn't, um, it's like a slip and slide. Fully Jesus. waxed, fully waxed, guys. I'm um, not a perv. Like, I'm not a perv coach. No. I'm no, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be professional. You got yeah. <laughs> great job. This is all fucking working. Do we want to do a peach in a pit since I fucked up the beginning? A what now? <laughs> I missed that. He's like, what kind of innuendo is that? <laughs> we're going to come back to you. Meredith, give us your peach in your pit, and then we're going to throw Austin on the spot. We can't really explain it beforehand. You have a big peach today. Yeah. Peach your today is my birthday. First birthday. Yeah. Yesterday was my anniversary. So we're made it. We're still going strong. <laughs> How many years? Um, 14. Dude. All right. Your babies. Yeah. So yeah, good. That. And we're getting ready to go into Canadian Thanksgiving weekend. So good times up here. Follows upon us. Canadian and I have Thanksgiving. Yeah, Canadian thing to you. I get two, right? So I've heard of it. it. Yeah. Y'all should celebrate <laughs> yeah. it too. Y'all are like affiliates, right? So and just like you, know. pan- you guys just do like pancakes and maple syrup. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Beaver That's tail. Fine. Beaver that sounds tail. good. Beaver tail. <laughs> you and wear flannels. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No exactly. No we have you know, we have our huskies pull us to our igloos. There you go. <laughs> um sarah what about you one peach and pit for the week oh peach i i'm going to the olympia this weekend so i'm excited about that um take advantage while it's still in florida what's a pit um my dog's been a shit lately so working through that oh no why he's just such a werewolf like (laughs) I just bought him a prong collar because it's like, like I was literally walking him the other day and like someone across the street was walking their dog and they were like, don't you dare bark at that German shepherd. (laughs) And sure enough, the little dog barked at my dog and then my dog's like, "Ah!" (laughs) the prong is epic. We have, we have uh, Theo on a prong and it's like, it's so easy. It's not like a choker or anything. No, he got his first snap yesterday and that he was like, oh, okay. I don't have one for Isabella, but now that you guys are talking about it, I'm thinking I might. So like Google prong. Child prongs. Yeah. <laughs> no, dude, she's the best. So yeah. Um, peach, peach and pe- I mean, uh, everything's a peach. My cl- Actually, like my clients have just been this week. Everyone's been like every check-in that I had yesterday. I haven't really gotten into too many today. I've been like fire, which have been really, really good. So, and these are people that are like, come off some serious like issues, right? Like we've been dealing with stuff for a long time. So a lot of like really big wins there. 
other than that, just kind of planning my next trip. And I don't really have like a pit. I, um, oh, I saw Rancid live. It was like, I haven't been to a concert concert in a while. So that was really, really fun. Got in the mosh pit. I got 15,000 steps that day. Hey, and, uh, holy yeah, shit. Yeah. So proud of myself. Um, that's pretty much it. So Austin at the end of the shows, actually the beginning, but I really fucked it up today. We do one peach and one pit. So one peach would be like, what's one awesome win for the week? And one pit would be like one thing you have to vigorously type on your keyboard. Mm. Awesome win. Oh God. Yeah, not this is so it. difficult. My no, it's not bad. My life's just very anniversary. Yeah, that was last weekend, but I'll I'll say that. Oh, congratulations. No, no, no. no. Technically, that was Sunday. So that's oh. this week. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. So you're you're an October anniversary too. Yes, the third. So that was uh six uh six years. Oh and then that was fun. Went to a nice steakhouse, two hundred and fifty dollars. That was so good. Did good work oh, then. It was fantastic, but I spare no expense. And Aww. that's why I spare expense. My shirt's on inside out. I didn't yeah. have a whole <laughs> Um pit. Oh shit. So is the pit negative or yeah. 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 It could be like a lesson if you want to put up a positive spin on it. Okay. A pit would be. This me, and this isn't probably new, but I more and more coming to the realization that uh, you can't help everyone and just having people that are in really, really bad positions that aren't. Okay, we'll say this. I'll, I'll spin this. Following, if you have a functional health issue, just following your plan isn't going to heal you. It's more like there has to be mental buy-in to yeah. everything. And that's which are, I mean, it's something that I already knew, but it's something that I'm getting better at kind of just calling people on and establishing that up front. Um, because I'm just seeing too many people like me as a coach, I know how to fix it, but they aren't ready to fix it type yeah. of thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. so you need a whole, that be, <laughs> yeah. So getting better at figuring out how to do, how to deal with that a little bit more um is something that's occurring currently i think i think that's one of the hardest parts well you and i have talked about this often is yep. i mean it's not just about laying out the perfect protocol of supplements like it, it when we talk about a lifestyle change it's not just you know oh change your bedtime or change your habits it's literally changing speaking of brain like yeah. how you think how you respond, how you and you interact with people. It's it's essentially kind of changing you because yep. and yeah. it will be hard. It's not I, I feel like if it was just hard. a matter of changing your meal plan, it would be easy and you wouldn't really need us. But the thing yeah. is the thing about making lifestyle changes is it's like it's stuff that you're not used to. It's not your plan A or your plan B. It's normally stuff you've never done or haven't done in a long time and really struggle with that you have to practice daily. Like being in a consistent bedtime routine, saying no, setting boundaries, using blue blockers, hydrating, not drinking. These are things that's like, it's not like you can just pick one a day and do that one thing. It's kind of like you got to lump all of them together and then continuously walk that walk for many days in a row. And it's not instant. The shit no. sucks, dude. Yeah. It, really and it takes a while, but it's worth it. 
it's, and I mean, a lot of it's men. I mean, a lot of it's just positivity and just positive reinforcement. Like I, I, I go now, like I had a client and she's, so we're kind of working through it. And, uh, I went back two months on updates. I said, listen, you only had one or two updates where you were even remotely positive in the last two months. Yeah. Like at a point you got to take ownership for this, mm-hmm. that you're following the plan. You're doing great there, but you're just constantly driving this negative, you know, this negative mindset. And I said, guess what? Being lean also isn't going to solve that. Being lean is going to give you this temporary relief mentally, but that's yeah. not going to solve that, that the issue that you have, which is more of a psychological one, obviously. So that's a good lesson for all of us, I suppose. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. We're all like, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I think that's like the mic, the mic drop moment there. So thank you so much, Austin, for being on. And uh, thank you, ladies, for always an awesome, fun time. <laughs> yeah. Take care and of yourself. We'll, you we'll definitely have Austin there. back for sure. Yeah, all his info will be in the show notes. And um, until next time. <laughs> <laughs>